Today we continue our series, A Simple Way to Pray. And for those of you who have been here, you know the history on that little statement. There was a man named Martin Luther who had a big week this past week, if you didn't know. He uh, nailed a uh, 95 Theses to the Wittenberg door, a document that cited all the things that were wrong with the church. Uh, so um, your kids knocked on doors this week, and that was cute. Okay, um, he did something else. Uh, but Martin Luther had a barber named Peter, Peter the Master Barber. And Peter the Master Barber had inquired of Martin Luther, how do I pray? And so Martin Luther said, listen, I'm going to write you a letter, um, and it's going to be called A Simple Way to Pray. And he outlined, especially using the Lord's Prayer, how to pray in a very simple way. That's what we've been spending our time doing together to help us become more and more people of prayer, more and more folks who can listen for the voice of God. Today, our passage is, give us today our daily bread. So, um, there's something going on this week. Uh, Apparently, like a like like you're supposed to go vote or something. I don't know. It's not in the news or anything, so that's curious. Um, on Facebook either. Um, and, and you can go there and and you can vote as uh, maybe a Republican. I'm not going to make. Don't raise hands. Don't. We're not going to do that this morning. That or a Democrat. Don't raise hands. Okay. Um, or maybe maybe uh, you you think of yourself as an independent. Right? There's a couple other things, libertarian things like that. But um, maybe you think of yourself as an independent. And uh, I don't want to get uh, political because that would just ruin the day. Um, but I do want to talk about a lie that we all believe. And this is the lie that I think we all believe that I want to push up against this morning in this simple prayer for our daily breath. Here's the lie. I'm independent, exclamation point, okay? We love this lie, right? And I'm not talking about voting anymore. We love this lie, and it starts at a very, very young age. Kids who say things like, Dad, get out of my room. This is my room. And you're like, really? Did you, did you buy the bed? Do you pay the mortgage? Like, really? You know? And pay just a, a stitch of anything in the room, but they go, this is my Room, I'm independent. They don't even know that they're saying that, but that's what they're saying in their four or five-year-old voice. I know a guy, right? And then it moves into teenagers. We got a bunch of teenagers here. Love you, teenagers. Um, I'm so glad you're here, Pastor Nielsen. So glad you're here. He's ready to invest in your lives and excited about that. Um, I love coaching you. Uh, I, I coach the middle, middle school, high school team uh, in basketball, and I really enjoy it. But let's just be honest, I did hire Nielsen, okay? So there's limitations to what I can do. So I hired Nielsen. He's going to be better at that um, than I am. Um, but I remember being a teenager, and, and specifically I remember one moment. Some of you will, will recall this. It's the moment when you get your life. So teenagers... How many of you recently got your license or are about to get your license? Anybody? Yeah? Just got your license? You're, when are you getting your license? Eh, whenever. Whenever. Right? Are you driving? You're driving, right? You've been driving for a while. You're a senior now. Drive, we got a driver there? That's okay. We not, now you know when to say uh, near uh, uh, or away from. Okay. I remember 
I remember being your age, and, and in Colorado, you could get a driver's permit at 15. You could work on driving during the year you were 15. There was a bunch of rules about you had to have a parent in the car with you. You had to go through driver's education and all that kind of thing. But on my 16th birthday, 16th birthday, which is in December, December 13th, uh, I turned 16, and it was snowing outside, and I borrowed my grandma's convertible, okay? And I put the top down on grandma's convertible, and I piled all my buddies in, and I was like, woo, I'm 16, I'm independent. And the irony is sick, because I was driving grandma's car, right? Are you with me, okay? But I remember thinking, I have a tank of gas, and I have wheels under me, and I am um, And then you start getting some money, eventually, right? So you get past that teenage, adolescent years, you go to college, you spend a bunch of money you don't have, and you end up paying for that for a long time, and you do that, right? And eventually you start making some money, and, and, and you become maybe even wealthy. We've got a term for that, right? You could become independently wealthy, correct? This is just a normal term that we throw around all the time. That just, oh, that person, they've done a lot of money, they've done a very good job. They were independently wealthy. We, we want to feel self-empowered. We want to feel independent. I can make my own decisions. I can think for myself. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. But that, my friends, is a lie. It's just a lie. And I want to talk about the truth this morning. Because here's the truth. The truth is, I, maybe I'm just speaking for me, I'm fragile, I'm needy, and I'm dependent. I am fragile, I'm needy, and I'm dependent, and I think you are too. Okay? Let me, let me take some other pictures for you. Go back to the beginning. You came into this world kicking and screaming. Right? Even when you were kicking and screaming, saying, this is my room, get out of my room, Dad. Right? You came into that world kicking and screaming, not even able to control your own limbs, let alone your own bowels. Right? So, so let me ask you this. When you were born, were you independent? Or were you, was it maybe better to describe you as fragile and needy and dependent? Would that be a better description of a baby? I, I think so, Right? I mean, they, they need to be fed, they need to be changed, they need to be kept warm, they need to be laid properly in the bed, right? So fragile, so needy, so dependent. And then you do get a little older, and you end up living in a house that you're not paying the mortgage for. You're fed by somebody who, uh, who is feeding you. You don't pay the bills. You borrow your grandma's convertible to drive on your 16th birthday, Right? And then you get a job, and somebody pays you money to do something for them. Unless you're manufacturing money under the table, and nobody knows about that, and that's illegal. Different terms, okay? But you work being dependent upon somebody else providing you money, saying what you're doing is of value. I'm going to then give you some money. You can't just manufacture money even if you work and work and work and work. Somebody has to give you that money, right? Um, and you ate food today that you did not grow because we live in Big Sky. Okay, some of you maybe maybe got like five beans off your bean plant this summer, and good for you, right? But you, you ate food today that you didn't produce. 
You live in a house that maybe you planned, but you, you probably didn't put every nail in, right? Um, you ski on a mountain that you had zero input on how that mountain was made, correct? Like, it's snowing and it's beautiful, and did you have any control over the snow this morning? I, I didn't, right? Um, you need medicine that you can't prescribe for yourselves, although we do have a few doctors in the house, so you can, you know, they could probably do that. Um, you go to that doctor every year, and, and you hope that everything's going all right. But you know that there's tests coming every year with, with your blood pressure and with um, different levels uh, of nutrients in your body, and you're hoping that, you know, that those cells don't go awry and that you get that weird call from the doctor saying, we need to talk some more and test you some more. And if you live long enough, this is really encouraging stuff, okay? If you live long enough, guess what? You're going to go out of this world probably just like you came into this world. Right? Somebody might change you someday. There's a pretty high likelihood for many of us. Some people change us someday. There's a, there's a high likelihood that somebody else will feed us someday. There's a high likelihood that we will leave this world just like we came into this world fragile and needy and dependent. Such an encouraging word from church this morning, isn't it? <laughs> and that could be depressing, or what I want to lead us to is I think that could be beautiful. I think that could be beautiful. And I think why it could be beautiful is to lead us to get some honesty about what prayer is. Prayer is, is wholehearted dependence. It's beautifully dependent on someone that you should be dependent on. And so I, I want to look at a beautifully dependent prayer this morning. Give us today our daily bread. And I want to specifically look at six simple lessons from a story about bread, from a story about bread. Jesus is sitting with his disciples, he's doing the Sermon on the Mount, and he gets to this part where he's teaching them a simple way to pray, and he says this line, give us today our daily bread, and everyone there would have said, I know what you're talking about. But for us, it's a little more challenging, right? We think daily bread, we think like big loaf of bread, I like bread, it smells nice. Like, that's the kind of bread, even when we do communion next week, I'm going to break this big old piece of bread. Sometimes you go get French brioche. That's why some of you are like, man, Jesus tastes really good this week. Sometimes it tastes a little better than other days. So I'm going to be honest with you, right? Okay? So, we, and we, that's the bread we think of. But when he was talking in the original context, the, the hearers didn't think of that. When he said, give us today our daily bread, what they thought of was a story that, that included flat bread that had no yeast in it that they called manna, okay? We're going to look at that story this morning. It's found in Exodus, Exodus chapter 16, Exodus chapter 16, if you want to read along, and I'm going to read 1 through 12. We join the story with a bunch of people called the Israelites. They are folks that are considered God's people. Right? God has spoken to Abraham and then to Moses, and he says, I have chosen you, Israel, to be my people, my chosen people. And so these Israelites are stuck in slavery under the Pharaoh. You know the story. You've at least seen the movie, right? And Moses says, let my people go. And eventually, 
Pharaoh softens his heart enough to let them go. Pharaoh meets his demise in the Red Sea. And they end up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They didn't know that they signed up for that. And so we meet them in this moment when they're wandering around the desert. And this is what happens. The whole Israelite community set up for, from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they'd come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare and, uh, what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord who it was the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You, you are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled, you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So what I want to do with the remaining time together is look at six very simple lessons. Simple prayer, simple lessons from a simple story about bread. Number one in this story is this. God will provide bread. God will provide bread. Who will provide bread? There you go. Okay, you got it? God will provide bread. Wait, wait, wait. Not, not me? I don't, I don't make my own bread? Wait a minute, I don't earn my own? What God gives me? Bread? Yes. God provides the bread. The picture here is that God is a provider. The picture here is of a God who is Abba, Father, just like Jesus taught us how to pray, our Father in Heaven. It's the picture of a father who takes care of his children. And kids get this, don't they, right? Because they don't fret all morning about what they're going to have for lunch. Ava, Ava, my daughter, Ava, do you know what you're going to have for lunch? You want peanut butter and jelly? Did we decide on that yet? I don't know what we did, but oh, is that what? Okay, perfect. We, I think we can do peanut butter and jelly, all right? Perfect. She knows she's getting fed, right? She doesn't really know she's got peanut butter and jelly coming out of the way. That's more of a wish for her, right? But um, she knows that Daddy's going to provide. She just knows that. She goes, okay, Daddy's going to provide. She doesn't wake up in the middle of the night going, 
I wonder, I wonder if Daddy's going to provide breakfast for me. She, she doesn't do that. Right? Because Daddy provides breakfast. Daddy provides lunch. Daddy provides what I need. Who provides the bread? Okay. So then why do we worry so much? Can we just, can we be honest here this morning? Like, we run around acting like it's all on us to get more bread, don't we? I mean, listen, some of us work 60, 70, 80 hours a week, and we're just in search of more bread, 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 bread. And if I don't do it, somebody else will. And if I don't make this money, then somebody else is going to make that money. And if I don't, 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 if I don't. Until one day you just, you, you can't even get out of bed. And you're tired, and you're broken, and you're just hurting from worry. And you try to make as much bread as you possibly can. But you need to recognize that you're not the one who provides the bread. God provides the bread. It's primarily God's job to provide the bread. And that should allow us to at least breathe a little bit. bit. When Jesus says, give us today our daily bread, part of what he's saying is that God's going to give you your daily bread. He's going to give you your daily bread. You are his child. He is your father. He's better than any other father in the history of fathers ever. Why would he not take care of his child? So the pressure is off of you. If you think, I need to be, isn't it interesting that we use this phrase? I need to be the primary what? Breadwinner. Isn't that interesting? Breadwinner. Who provides the bread? Okay. All right. Number two. Because we know we need to, that God provides the bread, then we need to work. This is great, right? It's not like pray, 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 and then don't do anything, right? Because work isn't bad. Because what happens in the story, right, is fantastic. He says, God's going to provide bread, but you need to go out and gather that bread. So you need to gather your own bread. That's point number two. You need to gather your own bread. Knowing that it doesn't depend on you. Knowing that you're not the primary provider. You're not the breadwinner. There is a breadwinner, and it's not you, right? The real breadwinner gives you bread, and then you need to go out and collect it. So, so it was simple for them, right? You need to go out every morning, and you collect enough bread for your family. You need to bring that bread back in, eat all your bread, there you go. But you need to go out and get that bread. Once again here, God is advocating not for laziness. He's advocating for work. We need to wake up every morning recognizing God as provider, and then asking, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What are your priorities, right? If we would get in line with God's priorities and, and less in line with our own priorities, boy, we, we would have it made. I mean, I mean, we would see God providing ways that we could never imagine, but part of the problem is we often supersede God and say, no, no I'm the bread, I'm the bread guy. Like, I'm the bread guy, okay? You're, you, you do your, you know, make the stars shine or whatever you do up there, God. I'm going to take care of it. And God says, no, I'm going to take care of it. And you just don't have the bread. Make my priorities your priorities. Um, last year, uh, I do this every single year. Um, I, I put together some goals for myself um, as a pastor. And Lori and I do it with American families. But um, last year, in particular, I did some professional goals around 
um, time management, self-management, energy management, because I, I can tend to be one of those people that I was just preaching about six or seven to eight hours, and I just don't go, go until I can, one day I wake up and go, I can't get out of bed. Um, and so I, I was studying about this, you know, time management. How do I, how do I manage my time? And one of, the, one of the things that I ran across is a very, um, very clear three-day goal. Three-day goals. And so, basically, in a lot of the literature I was reading, it said, put together a list of three great, important priorities that you want to take care of today. Right? Don't let your schedule manage you. You manage your schedule. You say, these are the three things that have to get done today. These are the three things that are going to um, drive my whole day. And what's even better about that is when we can take three priorities like that, and then we can say, God, what do you want my top three to do? It's sort of been my practice this year, is waking up in the morning and saying, okay, God, I've got some ideas in my head, but I want to be open to you changing those. What are the three priorities that you want for today? A lot of times they line up with what I've already got in my head and things that are already been working on, but sometimes there's things that just come out of the blue that God goes, I need you to work on this today. I need you to gather bread over here today. Even though you didn't expect it, you need to go gather some bread, do the work over here. And I would just encourage you in a simple way. Are you asking every day, God, what, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to put my hand to? We have limited time, limited resources. We are limited people with an unlimited God. And we need to ask him, God, what do you want me to do with what you have given to me? So you need to gather your own bread. Big things, little things, bread comes in all shapes and sizes. Our job is simply to gather. Number three, you only need to gather enough bread for today except on one day a week, okay? You only need to gather enough bread for today except on one day a week. So the, Moses and Aaron get in front of the community and say, Here, here's the deal. You're going to go out, you're going you're gonna to get the bread, you're going to get this manna, you're going to bring it into your house. Uh, on the sixth day of the week, so that you can rest on the seventh day, you're going to gather enough for two days. You're going to bring that into your house, and so that you don't have to work on that on that seventh day, so that you can rest. And, and, and what he was leaning into there was this idea called Sabbath. Uh, Sabbath is a uh, it's a weird concept for us Americans. Like stopping from our work is a very weird concept for for all of us. But what God is saying is what he said from the very beginning in creation. He worked for six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. He Sabbath. He stopped his work. Now, personally, this is very, very difficult for me, because I work Sunday, right? I, a lot of you are like, I got my Sunday off. Yeah, I'm going to make Sabbath. Like, this is a new habit, new pattern for us. It's really, really difficult, especially this year. Um, Eli started school. And so we were typically taking Friday Sabbath, but Eli goes to school most Fridays. So like I'm trying to protect Saturday, but everything goes on Saturday. And I can tell you this, when our Sabbath gets messed up, our whole family gets messed up. We've had really good seasons in our life of taking a real Sabbath where we focus in on family and we just block out all these other distractions. And we say, listen, we're not going to go, go, go. We're going to focus on really just being us. Being us. And I can tell you from personal experience, when we have done that, we've experienced a richness in life when it comes to God providing daily bread for us uh, in ways that we could never imagine. Our family's healthier. Our family is happier. We love each other better. And when we don't, 
it falls apart very, very quickly. Right? We're trying to reconfigure this. I'm going to be really open and honest with you right now. This is something we're not doing well right now with. Something that me and my family, we need to figure this out. Because you only need to gather enough bread for today. You only need to gather enough bread for today. And, and some of us kind of think that maybe we need to gather more bread than we need today. Right? Right? Well, God, but what about tomorrow? Like, what, what about tomorrow? And this is why I think Jesus was so... Um, he was so... Kind of mean to rich people, right? He was. He was. He was mean to religious people and rich people. He had something against religious people and rich people, and he did it all the time. He said things like this: "Don't st- store your treasure where moth and rust destroy. Store your treasure in heaven." He says this: "It's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven." He says this: "You can't serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money." You only need to gather enough for today. You only need to gather enough for today. Um, and, and I think this is difficult for us. I, I feel it, right? Um, I, I, I feel like maybe I need to gather a little more. And you know, What if I don't gather enough today for, for my family? And how is God going to take care of me if I don't take care of myself? We talked about that verse earlier in the year. That's not actually in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. It's not actually in there, right? Okay. And so the question would be, are you just gathering enough for today? Or, or is this what you're focused on? This is what you're passionate about. This is, this is all-consuming to you. It should be a red flag. That you are not in line. You're not in line with understanding what daily bread looks like. And God wants you to be dependent on Him for not just bread, but daily bread. Day. Number four. That leads us into number four. You need to rest in bread. Like I was saying, you need to rest in bread. Gathering. This is Sabbath. This is what you're doing right now. You need to rest from it. And, and this is something that I see as epidemic in, in Big Sky in particular. And, and I'm not, not trying to make you feel uncomfortable. I'm just reading the story, okay? Like, take it up with Jesus, all right? But, but, I, but I do want to say this, right? Like, we work in a culture that's a little crazy. A lot of us do. I'm, I'm looking at a lot of you, and you're like, yeah, okay, Brian. One day off a week out of six. Oh, okay. That sounds good for you, Pastor. Right? I, I get it. I, I totally get it. I get it that we live in a culture where um, we go we go wintertime hard, and we go summertime hard, and then we just all are like, whoa, in the off-season, right? And we just try to get away, and we recharge batteries. And I, I'm not saying that this has to be six days on, one day off. But what I do have to say is you're meant to live in rhythm. Like, this, you're meant to live in a rhythm. So, uh, really interesting, in all this study about time management, energy management, what the book that I'm reading is called On Form. And what they did is they took these high-level professional athletes, and, and they looked at them and they said, what do they have in common with being the, the highest level of excellence in their field, in whatever sport they play? And they found one of the most interesting factors about some of the highest-level athletes was that they rested more than the rest. Isn't that interesting? They, they, are, like, they are so driven and so active and so passionate and they push so hard when they train and then they rest. And what they found in the research is that the rest is equally, if not more important than the periods of intense work. Why? Because 
God made it that way. Right? It's how we're wound. We are not wound to work and 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 sacrifice our family and sacrifice our faith and sacrifice everything on the altar that is just bread. It's just bread. It's just bread, right? It's just green ink on a piece of paper, okay? That is all it really is. We need to rest from bread gathering number five. Because of all this, because you know who provides for you, because you, you, don't, you don't act like it depends on you, because, um, because you get enough for today, but you don't, you don't hoard a whole bunch. Because you've, you've, you've figured out, I just need daily bread, because of all that, number five, God will give you enough bread to be full. God will give you enough bread to be full. Um, he says this, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites, verse 12. Tell them at twilight you'll eat meat in the morning, you'll be filled. You'll be filled with bread. And there's a difference between full and bloated, right? When, when I say full, I don't mean Thanksgiving afternoon when you're like, should have brought my spandex, right? Like, should have, should have brought the pants for an extra size. I'm not talking about bloat. What I'm talking about is full. I, I had an interview uh, this week about basketball um, with one of the local reporters. And at the end of the conversation, there was a really interesting and weird conversation about um, alcohol consumption in Big Scott. He's, he's, trying to, he's trying to gather some facts around um, alcohol consumption in Big Sky. And, and the question that's driving him is, do we have a problem? Like, do we have a drinking problem in this town? And, and, and I hear some, like, for some laughter. Like, <laughs> okay. Um, you should talk to him. He would like your opinion. No. Um, and, and we got into this really interesting conversation, and I said to him, you know, that's going to be really hard data to figure out. Like, I don't know how you're, we're going to pull data up to, to actually have good, solid evidence to talk about a drinking problem. And Dave said he might find some, and may not. He said it's really hard to pin down. What I said to him is, you know what I, I think? I think I see a lot of empty people trying to fill themselves with things that won't fill them. I don't know if he's a Christian. I don't think he is. He was intrigued. He's like, go, okay, go on. Say, say some more about that. And I said, well, like, I said, it might be more interesting for you to do a study between when you live in a high-risk culture, if other high-risk activities are, are part of the lifestyle. Like, for example... You go ski the big. Oh, I wish it was coming out. It's sort of coming out. You go ski the big the first time, and you and you put your skis over the tip, over the top, and you're like, I'm going to die, right? Have you been there? Any of you been like, or not on the big, but maybe somewhere else? You're like, this might be a bad decision today, right? And then you charge in. You make a couple turns. You hopefully get to the bottom safe and sound, right? And then here's what happens. Interesting, right? The next time you go to the big, you look down and you go, I've already done that. I mean, I'm still scared, but like, I made it one time, I can make it twice. And if you see the big two or three or four times, 
Guess what? It's not going to be that exciting anymore. The, the simple, the simple um, science behind this, the dopamine in your brain, is not going to drop like it used to. Because you're not going to get the same charge, the same rush out of it. Let's say this. You run the mile, the, 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 the mile in your rack, and, and it's running, let's say, 3,000, let's, let's say, let's say 2,000 CFS. And you get through it, and you're like, I might die today in the mile. But then the mile hits 10,000 CFS. You're like, yeah, okay, we're going to run the, the mile on the craziest time of the year. And, and, then, and then you're like, well, what do I do next, right? And here, here's, here's what I said to him. I said, I think that a place like this is propagates something that's already within us. That we have this deep need for something more. We have this hunger, this longing, and, 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 we, and we simply can't fill it. And so the next ski run leaves us like not actually full, it leaves us a little empty. And, and, and the next risky activity doesn't leave us full, it actually leaves us a little bit empty. And, and, and so the drug that I took maybe gave me a really great high, but it, it leaves me a little bit empty. And the amount of alcohol that I consume, it, it maybe leaves me a little empty, and so I consume a little bit more, or I do some harder drugs, or I go down something steeper, or I do something a little scarier, because I'm always trying to fill a void that can never be filled in and I said, um, I said to him, I think that's what's interesting, and I think that that's built into us. And if God, if he is ultimate fulfillment, ultimate reality, he's the only place we can get what we need, it, isn't it an interesting case for me as a pastor to say all those other things will leave you wanting more, but the only thing that will give you fullness is God? Interesting thought. Should at least consider it. Right? And I believe this with my whole heart. God will give you enough bread to be full. Our hearts will be empty and longing until they rest in God. Number six, it's not really about the bread. It's not really about the bread. Right? And it's not. This isn't about bread, is it? This, this, is, this is how Jesus is so brilliant. He takes bread, right? We all know bread. The people that are hearing this, they know bread. He says, here's the part of the prayer I want you to pray. Give us today our daily bread. And before this, Jesus wanders out into the wilderness, different wilderness story, and, and, and Satan tempts him for 40 days. Uh, there's a little connection parallel, like 40 years, 40 days. Something's going on there. Just check it out. Okay. Um, in the wilderness for 40 days. And Satan comes to him and says, are you hungry? I don't know if you've ever fasted, like you haven't ever eaten anything for 40 days. I have not, okay? I can tell you after three I would be hungry, okay? Let alone 40. And Satan comes to him and he says, see that, see that stone? Turn that stone into bread. You can eat. I mean, you're the son of God. What's wrong with that? I mean, take the power that God has given you and make that into some bread. And you know what Jesus says? Man doesn't live by bread alone. But by every word that comes from the Father. Because Jesus knows it's not about the bread. It's about what you, what you really need. 
invite the worship team to come up and lead us in one last song about what we really need. What we really need is the bread that doesn't leave us hungry. We need the only daily bread that we truly need, which is Jesus. Jesus says this, um, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. Isn't that awesome? And he who comes to me will not hunger any more. Jesus is saying, I'm it. I'm what you're looking for. I'm what you're needing. Some of you in this room, all of us in this room, um, I wanted to translate that here, but I think that all of us in here, we need to believe this. Like, I have a hard time believing this. We're going to have a sermon this week, and, and I was, the question I kept saying was, do I really trust this? Do I believe this? Like, do I live like this? Like, could people look at my life and say, yes, he trusts that God provides the bread for him. I don't think so on most days. I think most days, I live like the bread provider is me. Ah, do I just get enough bread for today? I think most days, I'm thinking about a little more bread. Do I rest from bread gathering? I don't think I do. I don't rest well from, from, from trying to make bread. And all of this leads us into a lack of faith. Do you understand this? Like, I don't care if you don't know Jesus or if you know him really, really well. This message is crazy radical for us this morning. Do you trust that he is really everything you need? Because if you don't, that's not Christianity. Following Jesus is all about 100% passionate following Jesus. I'll leave everything else behind and I'll follow you because only you can lead me. Only you can provide for me. Only you have my eyes on me. And I want that to be true for me, and I want that to be true for you. Heavenly Father, you are the bread of life. If we're really honest, I don't think, I don't know that I'm ready to hear this message, God. And yet, Lord, um, I want to. I want to believe that you're the only thing that I need. So God, I ask that you would help me in my unbelief. Help us to passionately follow after you. Help us to ask for our daily bread. What we need, not what we, what we just want. Convict us, drive us, power us, inspire us. Give us today our daily bread. Yes, indeed.